Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you ever wanna talk personally with me about the challenges and frustrations of your dating life, I want you to know that I'm here to help and I'm accepting new clients for individual coaching. Go to womenwantingwomen.com forward slash coaching to learn more. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passion and intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com because it's packed with free resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Have you ever been cheated on? Melissa Davis, my guest on this episode of Women Wanting Women, thought that she had the perfect life. She married her college sweetheart and they had two baby girls, a three-year-old and a newborn infant, when she found out that her husband was having an affair with her best friend. I won't give away the rest of the story because she tells us all about it during the interview. But what's cool is that Melissa took everything she learned from her experience healing from her husband's affair, and she joined forces with two other psychologists, one of whom also had a cheating husband, and together they created an online affair recovery program to help other women who find themselves in the same situation. I really resonate with Melissa's mission because what she's doing for women who've been cheated on is exactly what I'm doing for women in the queer female community. I created my online programs, Come Out Confidently and Magnetic Attraction for Lesbians, because after learning the powerful lessons that enabled me to end my own struggles, I became passionate about teaching what I know to other women who are going through what I went through. Come Out Confidently is a class I created to help women use the experience of coming out as a massive opportunity for increasing our confidence and personal power. And Magnetic Attraction for Lesbians is a class I created to share all the secrets I learned about the inner and outer game of how to attract other women as a woman. That's why when Melissa Davis contacted me to tell me about her story and the work that she's doing, I felt like we were kindred spirits and I was excited to invite her on the podcast to share her story and wisdom with you. In this episode, you're going to learn the stages that all women go through after finding out their partner cheated. The worst thing to say to someone when you find out that their partner had an affair. How revenge works after someone finds out their partner cheated. And the tricks to stop obsessing about your partner's affair and the person they were sleeping with. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Melissa, thank you so much for being here with me on the podcast today. Yes, thank you for having me. So let's dive right into this. Your story of the affair in your marriage was horrific. And let's just start there, what you went through and, and how and what you learned from that. Yeah, you know, 
for me, I was completely blindsided by this. Um, I had just given birth to my second daughter. My oldest was three. And at that point in time, I was a stay-at-home mom. And so I actually was driving my three-year-old to her soccer game. And I saw my best friend's husband calling me. And I was like, this is weird. He doesn't ever call me. So I answered, and um, he was nervous, and he didn't quite know what to say. And finally, he's just like, you know, if it was me, I would want to know. And so he had found text messages between his wife, my best friend, and um, my husband at the time. And I just remember feeling like I was inside of a fishbowl. Like a stomach fell into my feet. I could hear things, but it was like jarbled. I could see, but it was all blurry. And I was just like completely shocked. So I took my three-year-old to the soccer game. Of course, it's raining. And I'm standing on the field with swarms of little kids running around me. And I'm just willing myself not to throw up on anybody. So I luckily, I didn't. That was good. Good job. Yeah, thank you. That was hard. Um, I packed. I packed up the kids and the dog, and I drove seven hours away to my grandmother's house and stayed there for a week. And I have to tell you, I don't remember anything from that week. The only thing I know is that I compulsively showered all day long. I felt like um, I felt like I had this like dirtiness all over me. I couldn't get it off, and I just my skin was raw. I mean, bleeding in spots because I'd just sit in my grandmother's shower and scrub myself and sob. Holy cow. So when you got that call from your best friend's husband saying that he found these text messages and then you just drove straight away seven hours, you were pretty sure then about what was happening. Like you didn't. Yeah, I knew what was happening. And the hard thing is that because, I mean, the text messages weren't it was easy to tell what was going on. Oh, damn. Yeah, it wasn't great. And what sucked is while I was in uh, at my grandmother's house, I had I had another friend who we like traveled to Ireland with call me and tell me about details that with them. And so I've just got like this waterfall of information and slowly got more information. I'd be like, is this it? Yes. And then a week later, there'd be something else big or someone else, you know. So he slept with multiple of your friends? There were lots of people, and I don't think that he even knew how many people in the end. Um, he didn't know how many people? Yeah. I mean, travel for work, do whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, I was this, like, brand-new mama nursing my baby, you know? And the thing that, like, pisses you off if you're, like, a mama bear I was so upset. I couldn't even like make enough milk for my baby. It just made me so mad to just deal with that, like, you know, small detail of life. So yeah, I stayed like that for a long, long time. We actually tried to work it out for about a year. Um, And during that year, I struggled so intensely with anxiety attacks, which for me was new. Um, and and so much fear, you know. If 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 he was gone for work, and I and I was, is that where where he is really? Like you know, you've been lied to for for me. It was like eight years of just lies. So you don't trust anything. 
I was so afraid. Um, it was a really dark, really scary time for me. And then, so after the year, you just couldn't make it work or was he lying again? Did you catch him again? Yeah. You know, two things happened. I caught him a couple of times, Oh, man! but I also learned something that for me was big. I learned that I couldn't control anybody besides myself. You know, you hear it, but I actually learned that. Like I, I had to like, this is a person I grew up with. Like we were college sweethearts and like, I wanted it to work and I wanted the family. I thought that we were going to have, um, but I finally realized I couldn't control somebody else's choices. And that's where I just had like this <sighs> moment and I had to let it go. You can't control anybody besides yourself. And what did that really mean to you in that moment? I think what it meant to me is, <sighs> that's a hard question. For me, I just tried so hard. I about put myself in the grave just trying and, and try and like every little thing, it was, it was all me and my efforts. And I finally just realized like, I can't make this person faithful or honest or anything that needs to be there. And that's important to me. And so it's a, this is just going to be my new reality. Yeah. We have to accept people for who they are. Unfortunately, um, it's harder for you because you were college sweethearts. So you didn't know, I mean, was he doing this in college or? I think he was t putting his toe into that pond in college, but maybe not full out. Yeah, we don't always want to see things, but it's a big deal to just to, rec to, to know who we're dealing with and then accept them that way. And if that's not, we can't change the person. We got to change the person we're with because that person, people don't change. Right. Um, but, you know, two kids into it, uh, it's still really worth working on. So what happened then when you finally had this moment where you realized you can't control anyone besides yourself and the weight was lifted off? What happened then? You know, what's interesting is uh, I remember us sitting on my closet floor. It's like where I go when I'm in my dark place. And I actually told him that it was done in the closet. And I, so he left and I got up and for the first time in a year, I slept like a baby instantly. I was just asleep. Um, and so it was this very peaceful night, but it didn't stay like that. Yeah. That would be crazy to think that, yeah. um, you know, right after that juggling being uh, a single mommy with little kids and, um, I was starting a, another new business. It was, it was very hard. What I actually did is I just shoved all my feelings down and that's not a good choice. I learned. Um, but it's what I did because I felt like I had to, you know, you don't want to cry in front of your kids and make them feel afraid, for example. So that, that made sense to me, but then I just kept doing it. And that's probably what I've done my whole life. And I tried to check out for me, checking out was binge watching TV. I mean, I'm, I could have watched probably 10 hours a day and just not think, you know? And so I just tried all these things to survive and keep going. For me at nighttime, I had a lot of panic attacks. I was very afraid. Um, I bought this crazy lighting system and lit up my whole perimeter of my yard and the woods behind my house so that everything could be seen. And, you know, 
the noises at night. I'm like, what is that? Like the dumbest stuff. Everything was making me so afraid, which wasn't who I was. It was a very weird time for me. I, it's, I wonder what you were afraid of, like intruders in the night. Was it because he wasn't there or because all of a sudden the world that you thought was safe in a certain way had crumbled? And it's like, what else could go wrong? Yeah. And it, yeah, it wasn't about his presence. It was just the security of my reality, I think. Yeah, sounds that way. Um, and I understand what you mean of that peaceful night where you did sleep like a baby because clearly you had made the right decision. And so there was that peace. Now it doesn't mean, you know, almost the calm before the storm because now you have to deal with the implications of that decision. But it does make a lot of sense that upon making a really good decision, you were able to sleep like a baby. But that doesn't mean it was going to be easy afterwards. Right. Yeah, it was most definitely not easy. So then, so then what happened? So probably for the next two years, I pretty much stayed in the same place of um, fear. The anxiety could dwindle some because once I wasn't trying to manage somebody else's choices, it was just about managing mine. And so it became a little bit easier in that way. But I really just tried to be superwoman, you know, I can do it all. And I am like one of those like chicks who's super handy and I can build furniture. Like, so I put myself into like projects and I really just tried to make myself too busy to feel. And, and I thought I was doing great, but what I learned is if you try to just shove your feelings down, like, like me, they come out, you know, I'd have back pain or headaches or I'd be like cutting cucumbers in the kitchen and all of a sudden I'm a puddle on the floor. Like it just hits you. And for me, being a person who considers herself an independent, strong woman, it was this like crippling feeling to, to just have my body take me out so easily. And so <laughs> this is funny, but probably two years after I discovered the affairs, I realized I needed to grieve, but I had shoved it down so long, I didn't know how to grieve. Honestly, I had no idea. And so for me, I picked out a movie that is just guaranteed going to make me ugly cry. Which one? It was P.S. I Love You. That movie, I'm like, <laughs> the whole time. I don't think I saw it. Who's in it? Oh, you need to get it tonight. Um I just cried constantly and, and I cried all night long and I was dead tired the next day, but I felt like I, I, I think the way I can describe it is I felt like I had been holding my breath forever. And then finally I exhaled and I felt so much lighter. And so the next time I was a little smarter, I started the movie at like noon. So I could just cry all day and go to sleep like a normal person. But I have cry songs. I don't have any cry movies. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you a cry movie. There's a couple. The Notebook also makes me cry. Oh, you're such a romantic. Yes, I am. Those. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, the cry songs I think are more efficient because a song is what four minutes. A movie you got to invest. Yes, efficiently grieving's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gets it out when the tears need to come, and I don't know how to get to them. I just there's there are a few songs that catch me every time. Mm-hmm. 
So like you've been holding your breath and then you were finally, now you're finally able to grieve. So it sounds like your body was, you were having physical reactions to the fact that you hadn't processed these feelings. Your back was giving out or you just spontaneously, you called it a puddle on the floor cutting cucumbers. Was it because you chopped your finger and had a puddle of blood? No, that'd be scary. Or was it like that you were, was it a puddle of, was it a puddle of tears? Yeah, puddle of tears. I would just have a panic attack out of the blue where I felt like I was safe from that Um, or just just all of a sudden fits of crying. Um, it's like it just bottled up out of me and I couldn't control it. So yeah, allowing yourself to grieve is something I learned I wouldn't allow myself to do. And, and it's incredibly important. So I'd feel every time I did it, I would feel more whole again. So I just let myself do that. So I kind of made my own process, stumbled through the dark and figured out what worked for me at that time. You know, a lot of the guests that I've had on this podcast have been uh, women who do like woman work. And what's interesting is it sounds as if you were almost taking like the masculine approach, you know, doing projects, getting busy, getting things done. But then the whole like getting into your body and moving and feeling and moving through the grief, which is more of like the feminine process, not that it's male or female, but just in terms of the energies. Um, and it's interesting because you seem like such a, you call yourself a superwoman. And obviously you've owned a few businesses and now this one and, and also like looking back on that need to control when you talked about like that you couldn't control. So it seems as though you're used to being able to control your whole world, but then what happens when things, you know, when you can't anymore. Um, and it's such an interesting journey for someone like yeah. as strong and as strong and competent as you. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. I don't like it. No, <laughs> don't recommend it. <laughs> no, but I mean, but you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger too. I'm sure you're a better person now having gone through this. Would you say that the the woman that you are now compared to who you were before, even if we, even if you hated every minute of it, do you, do you think you're a better person now for having gone through this? Yeah. You, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that and I would have these like aha moments where I would see myself handling something I'd I never thought I could, or, um, you're right. I definitely, um, you know, all my friends joke, I'm always the guy in the relationship. Um, and they'll be like, let Melissa just go be the man and do the, you know, like, <laughs> and so, and I liked that. I liked that about me, but I had to get in touch with that other side of me and it gave me such an amazing strength and I felt so empowered by doing it. Um, I mean, it, I look back at that time and I don't feel angry or bitter at all. I feel really grateful, which if you went back six years ago, you would know for sure. I would never have thought that was going to happen. Um, and, you know, I have beautiful daughters and I want them to see, you know, they didn't know it was happening. They don't need to know it's happening, but they knew that mom's strong and going forward, you know, I want to model that for the the women around us. Like, it's hard to let yourself feel. I get it. So once I chose to move through the pain and not try to move over it, that's when then I, when I really started feeling that power. Absolutely, I love what you said about. Um, I don't think you use these words, but you know, getting being strong and then seeing that yeah, and then you said that you were able to see that you could, and that's actually the basis of all self esteem when we see ourselves conquering life in various ways. We could just feel better about ourselves in every way. And it's so cool. And I love how they say um, that whenever we're going through something hard, 
the saying is you'll be grateful for it when it's over. And if you're not yet grateful, it means it's not yet over. Mm -hmm. So you're definitely through it, it sounds like, which is so beautiful. Yeah, and that's definitely true. Yeah. So, okay, so you start learning to grieve. You start feeling more whole. What, what happened next? Um, and then just life started getting better, started coming back to normal. Um, but what I did is I started noticing a bunch of my um, girlfriends were going through identical situations to me. You can just change names, a couple of details, but what was happening was the same and how they were feeling and kind of their timeline of healing was the same, kind of this stuck place. Um, and I started looking on like groups, like Facebook type groups and seeing over and over again, thousands of women in the same exact place that I was. Um, and I thought that was so weird because I honestly thought I was the only one thought I was totally unique, which was so stupid now, but, um, and so because I'm more business minded, I immediately thought like, I know how to create something to help these people. And that idea came in my head. And to be honest, I tried to banish it in the deep pits of my soul for a couple of years because I was way too busy to do what I had created in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just pushed it away and said, nope, no time. But eventually you did start creating the thing that could help all these friends and then women you never met before that were in these identical situations because it sounds as though what you're talking about is that the process of healing from an affair tends to, even if you change the names and situations, there is a sort of a, a pattern that everyone kind of goes through. Yeah, and it feels kind of cold to say, oh, we all go through the same thing. But if you stand back and you're a little more objective, you can see it. And so what I saw from myself first and then friends and random strangers, that many of us don't reach out for help. And I would say shame is probably the biggest issue. When you find out that your partner's having an affair, there's we immediately start to blame ourselves. We look at ourselves first. It's, it's interesting. You know, I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not sexy enough, smart enough, witty enough, whatever, enough. We all seem to land there first. What did I do wrong, you know? Um, and that just, you know, my grandmother always says, don't should on yourself. <laughs> and I love that. I like to say it fast so in front of older conservative people because it sounds different. Yeah. Don't should on yourself. And so the shame, so the shame is just, we put it on ourselves. We put it on our shoulders. Um, and then because of that, we don't reach out for help. So I saw that big time. I saw it myself. I saw it in everybody else. And then I saw a lot of people who were just left without resources, financial help, support systems. Um, so they couldn't afford to reach out to get help or, Maybe they have become a single parent or single income family and they couldn't, you know, they have time. They were crazy busy. So I saw all of these needs and I knew immediately how to, how to fill the gap. And, and I'd say the other thing is that there's just not anything out there that addresses the healing of just an individual. There's tons of stuff out there for couples, for curing the sex addict, like, 
but there just isn't anything for dealing with, you know, how your self-esteem took a blow or grieving an affair or panic attacks or depression. There's not anything specific to just me. I've been hurt. So that's what I, that's what after the affair is. And that's what I knew I had to make. Um, I kept feeling the whole time that there had to be a bigger reason for why I went through this. You know, I feel like um, when I look at myself, I know I'm a little bit, I'm too strong to have gone through such a hard life-changing experience without doing something big with it. Yeah, and so that's what after the affair is. It's beautiful. I want to talk about a few things. I definitely want to talk about the pattern that you speak of and then and, and break it down because it's really interesting. I've never heard anyone speak about that before. But I really also, I think, you know, shame is a big deal almost in any breakup when someone gets broken up with that fear of, um, I don't mean as much to you as you mean to me. I had a psychologist, uh, Dr. Julie Helmerich, on a podcast earlier, and that was one of the things she talked about is that I don't mean as much to you as you mean to me and how painful that can be. And I guess that's sort of what, that's that's like big time in any affair, right? Um, and in addition to, of course, what you talked about, the, uh, the blaming yourself and all the not enoughness, but it's all wrapped in together. It's so interesting. And what's also, you know, to say something about the pattern that I find interesting, you know, when we look at a wound and how a wound gets healed physically in our skin, you, of course, everybody's different, but it, there's a physical way that that gets healed. So it doesn't surprise me that in general, people would go through a similar process the same way that our skin does. Why not our hearts and our psyches, right? So. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed with a lot of people, um, we start out totally shocked, you know. Uh, even if you have a suspicion, uh, for women, we have such strong, amazing intuition. So a lot of us might have noticed something was up, something was different, or sus- have, sus- you know, suspic- suspicions. But um, but a lot of us are just shocked, whether we went looking for the evidence or not. You know, it's just like, holy crap, what? And so we kind of start, we, we just question everything. What is real? What isn't real? You know, when I was at the hospital visiting my mother, were you really here? You know, everything about your reality is questioned now. And that's really hard because, like, for me, I felt like I was living a lie. Like, I didn't make these choices, but I got, like, pushed into it. And it was a hard place to get pushed into. So that's a place where it will often start. Um, and then as you learn details, whether, you know, your partner is actually up front with you and tells you stuff or you investigate, it's like we go on this quest to find out information. And as you find out details, you know, some of us, like for me, I wanted to know what I was supposed to be forgiving. And so I wanted to know, and everybody's different. Some people don't want to know everything. Some do. And so, but as you find out details, what happens is um, you start to kind of obsess about them, you know, or for me, um, you'd have these little triggers, little things that would just remind you of it, random stuff or song or whatever. And it would just take you down into the pit of doom and you'd be so upset. So as you learn more, it's like there's more opportunity for you to just be so hurt or upset by it. Um, and so it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just kind of what we do, right? 
Right. Maybe the more you know, the worse you feel, but you can't not know in some ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to know. So these triggers, um, so we talked about the shock, then questioning everything and questing for info and then getting triggered the more details you learn. Yeah. And then you'll notice um, a lot of people will want to seek out revenge. They start to get angry. Um and, and sometimes, you know, we can make really unhealthy choices during that time. Um, for me, my revenge was, well, I'm going to look hot as hell, you know? Yeah, girl. Or whatever it is. And so... Um, Which is, of course, a healthy choice, not a bad one. Not the, that, not, not the worst. Um, and so people will seek out revenge or they'll become really obsessed with the other person. Um, wanting to find out details about them, stalk them on social media, um, which isn't, is not something I'd recommend. Um, and so it's just this like, it's like we're like grappling. Our self-esteem and everything about us has been blown out of the water. And we're just trying to figure out what we can do to, to fix it. So that revenge piece um, or, or the anger, like you see them if you split up and it seems like their world is okay. Cause of course you're looking from afar. Um, and so you're angry cause you know the misery you're in and they seem like they're fine. So a lot of people, it just fuels the anger, especially women who've been left for another person. Um, that's a hard place for them. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a picnic. Um, Can we talk a little about that revenge that you talked about that the desire for revenge? Yeah, you know, everybody faces that a little differently. Um, what I often hear um, uh, women specifically talking about is um, a desire to sleep with someone that would hurt their partner, um, like one of their friends or even a relative. Um, or it, it's often, I'd say, revolves around uh, sex or money. So what I see anyways. Um, the revenge of getting everything in the divorce and making them literally pay, um, or, uh, you know, revenge boob job, that kind of stuff. And it's, and it gets kind of superficial in that, like, I'm going to work out and look the hottest I ever have, or, um, they call it a revenge body, right? The revenge body up, flaunt that revenge body, that kind of stuff, um, I see people getting really stuck here and that is not a place where you will ever find healing for yourself. It might feel good for a little while, a couple days or weeks if you're lucky, but you're not going to have anything lasting that you're happy with. Um, and so I really try to caution people, um, that, that want, that desire is going to be there um, do your best to move past it. Just accept that you've got that thought, acknowledge it, and then just let it go is my advice. Um, it's not going to help you to get stuck there. It's not going to help you to know how valuable you are just to focus. You're just focusing on them. You're giving them more power, you know, more power to take away your progress and your healing um, so yeah, the revenge piece is a tough place to be. And, um, and my wish for everybody listening is run from revenge, run. The best revenge is this. 
be the happiest you, be the best you, and just let them see that they didn't have the power to break you. And you are just that same amazing person that you always were when they fell in love with you. I love all of that. And I do know what you mean about the focus and and getting stuck because when you're focusing on what you're angry about and you're having these angry negative thoughts, it just creates so much misery. And with, without the thoughts, then we can move forward. But, um, even though, you know, a revenge body is a, you know, having a good body is a good thing. If you're doing it to hurt someone else, it's not the same as like you said, being your happiest and being your best and doing it because you love yourself. Um, so that's beautiful advice. So yeah, they go through the revenge phase and, um, and it's hard because if, especially if you've been with the person for a long time or if you've established a family, that's such a hard change. Like, sure, they've done the unthinkable, but then you start just hoping, hoping that they're going to choose you, um, hoping that you can be whatever enough and they'll come back to their senses um, in really more unhealthy places, which actually I see sadly a whole lot. Um, there is of course, a lot of lying and manipulation from the cheating partner, even after they've been busted. And so these, these people are feeling they're being gaslit and made to think that they're crazy for being upset still, or for thinking anything's up, you know, going on. So it's really difficult for them to even start to heal because they're being made to be so feel crazy. Oh, rough. This is all so rough. Yeah, it's terrible. Thinking about all this, I'm like, oh, man. So, all right, so now there's the lies, the gas. Well, so we went from this place of revenge and, um, and, and a lot of anger and then some hoping so the hoping eventually I feel like in that place you start to make your decision. Um, you know, if you're trying to keep something together, um, it's really in this place, it's hard to say that there's a generalized pattern, um, because it's going to depend on, you know, your mental health, the patterns of the relationship. Um, sadly, I see a whole lot of abuse around this, um, a lot of psychological abuse. So if you think about it, the person who's choosing to cheat for any amount of time is also, also going to have to manipulate you and lie to you a whole lot to get to pull it off. Right. And so that means that they're pretty good at it. I mean, if you, if you get caught in a week, you probably aren't that great. But a lot of these people have been doing it for extended periods of time. Oh, man, they're like experts. Yeah, expert, you know, psychopaths in a way. And they know, and they know just what to do to, to manipulate you. Like, they're not just an expert on lying. They're an expert at lying to you. Ooh. Yeah. And so I see this constantly all day long. I get emails about it, and it breaks in my heart. But... These people who are cheating are often just playing games with the person they hurt. They want attention, maybe. And a lot of times they'll balance two people and kind of make them fight over them. Like, 
it's this terrible game playing, attention seeking, um, and extremely manipulative. Like if they're not happy with how long it takes for you to start healing or trusting them or stop crying all the time, they're just manipulate you to feel bad and to shut up. And so I feel like that's the place where if you, if you take the time to heal and understand boundaries and what's healthy for you and your family, that's where that can start turning a corner. But if you never take the time to learn that, if you don't know, then oftentimes I see um, people just staying there, staying stuck in this terrible place of manipulation and mind controlling in a way. Yeah, there. I'm sure there are plenty of people who stay in a relationship like that for their whole lives with a person mm-hmm. and never Big get time. out of it. So actually, you're really lucky you got out of it. Um, not everyone ever. Not everyone will. Oh wow. And that's crazy because this grieving. It sounds like a lot of the grieving you got to do when he wasn't there, right? Was your grieving? Was he there or was he gone by then? No, it was all when he was gone. Yeah. So he, he got to leave, but these other people where he, the, the cheating partner, when she or he stays as a manipulative, um, playing games, wanting attention, then it's almost as if there's no grieving that can happen, so she can stay totally stuck. Oh, wow. This is bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So is this the end of the pattern, or is there more? Or now or is there more to the pattern that we want to talk about? No, I'd say at this point, you know, that's where somebody makes a decision for themselves. Um, You know, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's truly sorry and willing to move mountains, be kind and patient and transparent to earn back your trust, and, and that's the path that you choose, then, you know, that's going to help spurn your healing on. And you're, you're being really diligent and working on that. And that, that I can see you know, that's one path. And then other people are either, you know, they choose, they can't do it, they leave. Um, and then some people stay in those terrible, toxic relationships. And so really, you, that's where you just make that choice. But some people, um, you know, they don't have, they don't have options, you know, they, they stay stuck because they feel like that's all they can do. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I understand that, like, there's nothing wrong with that feeling stuck and but you can always you can always unstuck your heart in your head you know like you might be stuck in a house for a time period because of financially yeah but you can work on yourself um actually this is very sad most people that reach out for like financial help through after the affair are um pregnant women Mm -hmm. um i'd say 90 percent of them and so there, that's who I'm really thinking of is people who feel very stuck. And, and I understand that. That's a hard place to be. But it's interesting how you say unstuck your heart because you can be in a house with a man who cheats, but that doesn't have to break your heart if you accept him for who he is and then not be in love with that person anymore, not expecting them to be different. A lot of times what happens in life where we get hurt is when we expect one thing and we get a different thing. But if we adjust our expectations, then the situation might still suck, but we don't have to let it hurt us as much in some ways. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, ex- this doesn't count with physical abuse, obviously, but if it's just cheating right? and you're living with a jerk who can't stop cheating because of financial constraints or for whatever reason, raising children together, 
it's a question, I guess, then of, of not letting it break your heart every moment. Is that right? Yeah, you know, if you expect something to suck, then you're not surprised that it sucks, right? Um, and so that's where you can really learn, like, what boundaries are and why they're important. And you can use boundaries if you're stuck in the same house. Or you can use boundaries to find a safe place for you to go, a friend to live with, a parent to go back to. None of us would ever want to really do that. But, you know, there's things we can do to protect ourselves. But really, boundaries can exist for you to protect you no matter where you are. I love it. So um, there's something else that was interesting that you mentioned, which was this feeling of shame and, and isolation and the people around you not saying the right things. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like shame. We, we all put shame on ourselves all the time, right? Um, and the press, the press does it. All day long, you're just told you're not enough, you're not whatever, and so when an affair happens, it's such a big blow. Like you've chosen, you chose to love somebody and trust them. And, and whether you suspected things or, or completely were blindsided by it, it's this, it's this blow to your self-esteem, like unlike anything else. And so shame is just, I mean, ultimately it's just doubting who you are and doubting your worth. And I, I think that shame is because it's such a, this is such an intimate offense. Somebody's cheated on you. And so I think that the level of intimacy just in, deepens that shame. Uh, if I would have done this, would it have been better? If I didn't have stretch marks on my thighs, would they have cheated? Like, you know, you get so critical and, um, and it doesn't help that, you know, you can find a million articles. It's like, you know, the five ways to not lose your partner or whatever, you know, like, and you're like, well, I lost them. So much, something's wrong with me. Mm. And it's, and it, yeah, it's heartbreaking because it's just this, that's what happens. When you make the choice to cheat, you are making your partner question who they are and their worth as a person. And so it's a very deep Thing to deal with. So it's not like you put a bandaid over that. You have to do the work on your heart again to bring yourself out of that, which is really unfair. You know, you didn't ask for that, that job, but here you are. No, it's totally an unfair burden to put on your partner. And you were saying how your friends never, they always said the wrong, everyone around you was saying the wrong things, right? Yeah. You know, they would say, um, I don't know how many times I was asked and only by women, but they all wanted to know, did you have sex enough? And I was like, what? And then finally I realized that they weren't asking for my sake. They weren't <laughs> worried about me. They wanted to know for them, like, what's the magic number to keep my person here, you know, keep them happy. Yeah. I'm like, this is, this is not it guys. Like, <laughs> um, and you know, when you're asked that question, I would get like the sweaty, palmed, angry, embarrassed, shame, cover my head and run out and cry behind a tree, you know, like that, that does not help. Um, so you get a lot of that type of question. Yeah. It's such a triggering question. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's terrible. What are some others? Um, you know, they all wanted to know if we tried 
couples counseling, um, that, you know, and it's help, you know, you're not, these people aren't trying to be like hurtful, but it's like, yes, of course. Like we have all this on the line. Like, and so it's just this questioning of, do you think this is worth it? Like, why aren't you trying harder kind of thing? Like, it's just, it's an interesting time because when you go through it, you can get the perspective of, you don't know what other people are going through. And so like I guard my mouth, like I can just blurt out stuff without thinking. But when it comes to somebody, you know, and these hard issues, I just shut up. I guard my mouth because I don't know what they've gone through. And so I don't want to assume anything or assume that they haven't tried with my, you know, you know, offhanded suggestions. Yeah. And because you've had the experience of understanding that people were coming at you they weren't trying to accuse you of not doing it right. They were trying to gather information so that they could prevent their own catastrophe in their own relationship, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But yet, what a horrible thing to be on the receiving end of. So yeah. let's talk about you know ways to heal. Um, we talked about grieving, obviously, but you have you know you've really come up. You've created the solution that you weren't able to find when you were in this deep hole. So let's talk about what what you did, how you created it. What are some resources that anyone listening could to you know could could implement right now if they're feeling in this horrible way? You know what I created was something that's. Um, to me, I wanted something that was to the point. Uh, I'm super type A. And so I want to know what's to right now and I'm going to fix it. Um, and then I realized that healing from an affair, there is no what can I do right now to fix it, um, which was very frustrating. So what I chose to do is I teamed up with two amazing therapists and um, and we put together a, a, a series of eight videos. And um, these videos walk us through grieving, understanding that this is an actual trauma and what is trauma, um, how to and why to create a support system, um, dealing with anxiety and the, the stress of it, um, being really compassionate with yourself and allowing yourself to feel your feelings, um, handling those pain in the butt flashbacks that we all hate, you know? So we went through basically, um, the first handful of things that you really have to face after you discover an affair. And so it's very practical. That's what I wanted it to be. Uh, I want it to be very hands-on. You know, these are pre-recorded videos with myself and two therapists discussing these. And um, what's interesting to me and very intentional is that the two therapists are extremely different. Um, one woman lost her daughter, and then a week later she um, found out that her husband had been cheating. And so her her um, advice and life experience is very powerful, very, um, practical, very, here's exactly what to do. And I love that for me, not everybody's like me. So, um, 
the other therapist is very, here's what's happening in your brain when you have a panic attack and here's what your body is needing and here's what you do and here's how you handle this in a very different way. Um, so the three of us discuss all of this and I pretty much just interrogate them like, okay, but now what do we do? Um, and so we created this, I'm very proud of it because um, actually going through it six years removed, feeling really healed, I learned so much more. It was really, really cool experience just creating these videos. Um, but how to heal is very different for everybody. So we understand that, respect that. So we put a lot of different ideas out there because something I say, I say might not resonate with you, but something she says may. And so we pull in all of these different ideas, different approaches on how to heal and how to start moving through that pain. I love it. Have you, this is a question I don't know the answer to, have there been queer women who've um, successfully gone through your program? I don't know anybody's um, sexual orientation. I just know that they have a need and um, reach out to us. It has actually, the majority of our subscribers are 95% women. And there's a handful of men. Um, but yeah. Beautiful. Are there any like of your favorite practical tips that someone who's in a, a lot of pain can plug into right now? I would tell you my absolute favorite. It is so cool. Um, so dealing with an affair, probably one of the hardest things that just makes you feel crazy is um, the triggers. Triggers that throw you into the obsessive thoughts or maybe it's a panic attack but something triggers you and you can't stop thinking about whatever it is. So um, my more practical therapist, Melo Garcia, this is her trick that she suggests. Um, I'm right-handed. And so if I'm, I don't know, cooking breakfast, buttering toast, um, and I can't stop thinking, I'm getting anxious, and I can't stop thinking about the details between him and her, and I'm, I'm about to lose it, she suggests you, I take my right hand and I put it in my pocket or if I have to duct tape that baby to my shirt or something, um, and use only my non-dominant hand. So for me, my left hand, because as I'm trying to butter my toast, it is so hard and I have to think about it so much. What it does it gets you out of your head. Yeah. You can't be in your head because if I'm trying to type an email and just peck away with one hand, I can't, I don't have that extra bandwidth anymore. And so it will immediately take you out of that. And, um, what's cool about that is I'd say just as a culture that we are terrible at being mindful, you know, we want to do a lot at one time. Um, being mindful is not, I wouldn't even say it's valued for us. And so what that does, switching hands makes, forces you to be mindful. So it's a really cool practice anytime. Um, and so a lot of the After Affair subscribers will do it just when they need to, like when it's really getting bad and they can't stop thinking. But then they love how it kind of reframes themselves so well. They just keep doing it. They'll do it for several, several days straight. Um, when I first learned about it, I actually took a belt and strapped it around my arm on my, around my waist. And so, cause I would cheat or not pay attention and just start doing things again. So it is the coolest change. Um, I've 
recommend it to anybody, but definitely if you have that tormenting, those tormenting thoughts, it's a really amazing tool. I love that. Any others? Oh, there's so many. Um, another cool thing you can do if you're struggling with um, anxiety is get a cup of ice and just focus on eating that cup of ice. Your dentist doesn't like this advice, but it works. Um, just chew that cup of ice because the cold, the cold or, or suck on it. If your teeth are sad and, and, um, not sad, but sensitive like mine are. Mine are sensitive. That would be terrible. This sounds, I have chills all over just thinking about this <laughs> advice. <laughs> but that coldness and the focusing on finishing that cup of ice, um, again, gives you something to focus on instead of allowing those racing thoughts to just keep going and going. Man, I just would be like blowing on it with hot air and then trying to, you know, get it all to melt. But I guess I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Gives you a purpose. Mm -hmm. Melt, get this ice. Oh, man. That's so interesting. I love it. Wonderful. And so where can women listening go to find out more about you? Um, they can go to our website, which is afterbeaffair.co. Uh, we're, of course, all over social media. Um, but aftertheaffair.co is where you can go to get more details on the actual subjects we discuss and the therapist and myself who are going to be presenting the um, sessions to you. And where can women follow you on social media who want to, you know, be a part of your community? Yeah, we're on um, Facebook, After the Affair, and Instagram, um, Pinterest, Twitter, but I don't really like Twitter so much, so don't look for us there. <laughs> and so Instagram is at after the affair? Mm-hmm, underscore co. Yeah, and if after the affair is something that interests you but you're not quite sure it's a good fit, that's fine. Um, we actually offer a free session, so you just go to afterTheAffair.co and sign up, and you'll get email um, a session so you can check out um, us and how we, we operate and kind of the type of advice and direction that we're going to give you. Um, the other cool thing about after the affair, and this is just part of my, my mission is that every subscription we get gives a subscription to somebody in need. Um, no questions asked. And, and that's again, where I said, most of the people, I'd say 90% of the women that reach out to us are pregnant women with nowhere to go. And so it's a real honor to be able to just give it as a gift. Um, so, yeah, visit us, aftertheaffair.co. Awesome. I love it. Melissa, you're doing great work. You're so much fun to talk to, and you're just awesome. So I'm really glad we met. Thank you for coming on the podcast and for sharing with my community. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious. What of the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you ever want to talk personally with me about the challenges and frustrations of your dating life, I'm here to help and I'm accepting new clients for individual coaching. Go to womenwantingwomen.com forward slash coaching to learn more. In the meantime, if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and have passion and intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including 
a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a guidebook for finding your lesbian soulmate, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, and a free matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which gives you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to helping you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.